Support for the South Carolina lead is made possible in part by Columbia Metropolitan Airport. For more information, flycae.com. Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on February 4th, 2022 from my home studio here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features the latest on Supreme Court Watch 2022. Supreme Court Watch 2022. We look at some statehouse action from the fourth week of session, including a special visitor to the statehouse. We also have some updates from the 7th Congressional District Campaign Trail. In business, we have new jobs report data for you. Hint, it's good. And in medical, we look at Pfizer moving toward getting children under 5 vaccinated and how DHEC is working to keep more kids in school if they have a close contact with someone with COVID-19. All this and more is in today's podcast. Speaking of more, we want more stories from you. That's why we have a voicemail box set up, dedicated, so we can hear from our wonderful listeners about what's going on in their lives these days, especially now that things are settling down a little bit, looks like, with this Omicron surge. So let us know what you're doing, 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and what's going on in your neck of the woods. Love to hear from you guys. You know, we have so many great things we're talking about in the wind down from ranch to crocs to jobs to education so much we want to hear from you about let us know 803-563-7169 now for the latest in south carolina currently the spread of covid19 is widespread ongoing and not contained according to data from the department of health and environmental control there have been 15,791 total deaths and currently there are 1,406,933 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of february 4th at 4 p.m We've been seeing a lot of spikes in daily deaths recently, but many of those are applied retroactively. Right now, the week ending January 29th, we saw a surge high of 276 deaths, up by just one from the week before. Remember, that's that lag we've been talking about. It's happening right now. Our current percent positive is 20.2%. That's coming down. There are 2,156 South Carolinians hospitalized with COVID-19, 434 are in intensive care, and 225 are on ventilators. All those numbers are dropping. Currently, 53.2% of eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated. Let's start off our politics section with continuing coverage and analysis of Supreme Court Watch 2022. That's right. We're going to continue to bring you the latest on who President Joe Biden may nominate to fill retiring Justice Stephen Breyer's seat. We'll find out later this month. But what we do know is that Judge Michelle Childs, who sits on the federal bench here in South Carolina, specifically Columbia, is on Biden's shortlist. For more analysis on this and why he thinks Childs is the frontrunner on Biden's list, I spoke with USC Political Science Department Chair Kirk Randazzo, who focuses on the courts. Here's what he told me on This Week in South Carolina. Well, it's interesting hearing Stephen Breyer announce his retirement simply because of the fact that, as you mentioned in 2020, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died while a president of the opposite party was in office. And there were a lot of individuals that had encouraged her to retire 
when Barack Obama was still president precisely so that Obama could make a, a replacement appointment. She chose not to. And now the court has swung pretty far in the opposite direction of her ideology. So Stephen Breyer's retirement seems very strategic uh, in order to avoid a potential similar similar situation to what we had with Ginsburg. And you say strategic. Can we also say political? I mean, I know we, they try to be a little apolitical on the court, but how do you see that when you mesh that? Yeah, I, I think strategic probably lines up with political in this regard, because not only do you have a Democrat in the White House, but you've got the Senate, even though it's a 50-50 split uh, with Kamala Harris being able to cast a tie-breaking vote, you do have a Democratic Senate that could get a confirmation done. Mm -hmm. It's also a very fragile uh, majority right there, too, when you're talking about Kamala Harris, and you're also talking about uh, that senator from New Mexico who just suffered a stroke who's recovering, but uh, you know that also adds to everything, of course. But then you look at the possibility of a bipartisan push for at least one candidate that we've heard of, Judge uh, Federal District Court Judge Michelle Childs here from South Carolina. What do you make of that push we're seeing from Majority Whip Clyburn and also Senator Lindsey Graham, who sits on the Judiciary Committee in the Senate that is in, in control of these nom uh, the nomination process, confirmation process? Yeah, I, I think Representative Clyburn, <clears throat> this should come as no surprise. I mean, he is he, he has made it very, very clear that his relationship with Joe Biden is so unique that he is using that influence to, to sort of move President Biden in particular positions. I mean, we, we know that that Joe Biden really owes the presidency in, in no small part to Jim Clyburn and his endorsement prior to the South Carolina primary. So, so having Jim Clyburn talk about Michelle Childs it really comes as no surprise. But to see Senator Lindsey Graham come out in support, now Joe Biden might be thinking a possible bipartisan win, which for him, that's near and dear to his heart. He wants to be a bipartisan president. And you mentioned the makeup of the Senate, even though it's a 50-50 split, we know that Senators Joe Manchin, Kirsten Sinema don't always walk lockstep and barrel with the rest of the, the Democratic Party. And Senator Lujan from New Mexico is recovering from that stroke. Mm -hmm. So right now, having Republican support really is crucial for Joe Biden. And for Lindsey Graham to come out this past week in favor of Michelle Childs, I think that moves Judge Childs to the front runner position for the nomination. Kirk, can we stick with that for a little bit longer too and look at, you know, Lindsey Graham, he's a USC law school graduate and so is Michelle Childs. What's the vibe on campus? I know you're not in the law school, but you're right next to it. You hear things, people talk. What are you talking to students about? What's what's it like on campus right now with this buzz? I'll tell you the the it, it's just excitement on campus about this possibility because as you mentioned, Michelle Childs, not only does she bring diversity in terms of race and gender, you know, being the, the first potentially African-American female nominated, but she brings diversity in terms of geography. Uh, the only other justice with ties to the South is Clarence Thomas. Everybody else is pretty much Northeast, sort of New England. She also brings diversity in terms of her education and coming out of a public law school, 
when everyone else is basically from Harvard and Yale, that is tremendous. So the students on campus, not just in law school, but but across campus, are excited about the possibility of a Gamecock getting onto the Supreme Court. And that's actually very, very cool to see. Another aspect of Senator Lindsey Graham's help in all this? Well, if Childs does move to the Supreme Court, then not only does her seat back in Columbia need to be filled, but so does the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals spot she's been nominated for. If Biden wants a bipartisan-supported nominee, as Childs is shaping up to be, thanks to Graham, then maybe Graham will have some sway over who fills those two vacant seats. We'll see. It's politics, baby. And stay tuned for Tuesday's pod, where we'll hear from Judge Childs herself. No, it's not an exclusive interview with the jurors, just some of her remarks from her 2010 confirmation hearing to the federal bench. Let's move to the Statehouse, where debate continued on the medical marijuana bill, with the bill's sponsor, Beaufort Republican Senator Tom Davis, stepping down from the well after debating the measure for a week. Lawmakers are now in the amendment phase of the debate, and Republican Senator Greg Hembry of Myrtle Beach has taken the will to speak against the bill. Amendments from both sides of the debate are filed and will be debated and voted on as week two of this process rolls on. While Davis says he has the votes to get it out of the Senate, when is the question and how it works through the House is up for debate. House Democrats continue their push to pressure senators to take up the bipartisan hate crimes bill that seven Republican senators are blocking. Here's Columbia Representative Beth Bernstein. Time for South Carolina to take these hate crimes seriously. As we saw in Georgia, Hate crimes law can be unifying as they protect everyone from bias-motivated crime. They are not defined as protecting only a certain group, but rather protects everybody based on broad categories. That is why it is so important for the state of South Carolina to send a message that our state rejects bias-motivated violence and we welcome all. South Carolina and Wyoming are the only two states without a penalty enhancement statute on the books for hate crimes. Senate Majority Leader Shane Massey said the bill is not a priority since laws are already on the books to penalize those who commit such hate-based crimes. I don't think it's necessary. I think, I think one, I think our laws are adequate in, in addressing um, criminal behavior in, in this manner. And I think if we look at what's happened, we've had a lot of prosecutions um, related to hate crimes issues and our laws have stood up. Our, our laws have punished people who committed the crimes, and I think that's important. This bill doesn't do anything to, um, to arrest anybody new or to send anybody new to prison. All it would do is it would arrest the same people. It would send the same people to prison, but maybe for longer sentences. Um, the bill doesn't do anything to protect anybody. It doesn't make anybody's life better. Um, and in fact, I think if anything, it, it actually may give people some sense of comfort when the, a sense of comfort is, is inappropriate. Um, I mean, I think this is a show. And former governor and U.S. United Nations ambassador Nikki Haley visited with Governor Henry McMaster as well as House and Senate leaders and lawmakers on Tuesday, pledging her support to help House Republicans win in elections this year which is a little bit of a different tone from when she was in office and backed primary challengers against several city members of her own party. Moving on, former President Donald Trump endorsed Surfside Beach Republican Representative Russell Fry as his choice to unseat 7th Congressional District Republican Tom Rice, since Rice was one of 10 Republicans who voted to impeach Trump for inciting the insurrection on January 6th. 
Trump called Rice a coward and touted Fry's policy stances, which are similar, if not the same as Rice's, as the reason for his endorsement. Fry held a press conference Wednesday, and I asked if he supported Trump's continued calls to overturn the election that he lost. I think that it's, I think that voters expect their people to stand up, right? And I think that the Republicans uh, in Congress were pretty unified on this. I mean, uh, Tom was an outlier in this entire, uh, in this entire endeavor. And so, you know, time and time again, especially in the last year, he has stepped away from the conservative principles that have guided him. We also, as conservatives, believe in the rule of law. And, and some of those processes that are in place, uh, especially during the impeachment trial, those were never afforded to presidents. We don't charge somebody with murder and convict them the next day. There is due process even for presidents. Rice responded to the endorsement with a statement to WBTW 13 that said, quote, I'm all about Trump's policy but absolute pledge of loyalty to a man that is willing to sack the Capitol to keep his hold on power is more than I can stomach, quote. Rice currently has the most money on hand in the race with $1.87 million. Fry has the second highest campaign war chest at $327,250. Six other Republicans have below $150,000 on hand. It's heating up, folks. It's heating up. And sticking with Congress on the way out, all nine members of the congressional delegation issued a statement in support of exempting the retirement income of military veterans from state taxes, as proposed by McMaster in his executive budget. The group urged the General Assembly to adopt the measure in its budget, like over 30 other states have done. We have a small business section for you with some big news. The Friday jobs report found non-farm payrolls surged by 467,000 in January, while the unemployment rate nudged higher to 4%, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. The Dow Jones estimate was for payroll growth of 150,000, and obviously, like we just said, it was about more than three times that. The country is about 3 million jobs away from February 2020 payrolls of 152 million. The BLS also revised its previous monthly jobs numbers upward, including December, which initially was reported as a gain of 199,000, and it went up to 510,000 jobs. November jumped up as well to 647,000 from the previously reported 249,000. That's a lot of jobs right there, folks. That's a lot, a lot, a lot of jobs. And on the way out, American Airlines said in a filing this week that it is deferring delivery of four 787-9 Dreamliners, originally scheduled for next January, to the fourth quarter of 2023 and through 2027. Boeing is paying out billions of dollars in penalties to airlines like American for undelivered aircraft due to manufacturing defects on the Twin Isle aircraft, which is widely used for long-haul flights, a segment of the air industry that is slowly recovering. American has also adjusted some of those long routes this summer due to the delays. We got some good vaccine news for parents of young children out there. 
Pfizer and BioNTech announced this week that following a request from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration that the companies have initiated a rolling submission seeking to amend the emergency use authorization for the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine to include children six months through four years of age. That's big. The company said the Phase 1, 2, and 3 trial initially enrolled 4,500 children ages 6 months to under 12 years of age in the United States, Finland, Poland, and Spain from more than 90 clinical trial sites. Additional children have been enrolled in all age groups following study amendments, and the trial currently includes approximately 8,300 kids. Vox News reports Pfizer's own data showed that its vaccine generated less robust protection in some very young children with the first two doses. The company is still studying the impact of a third shot administered at least eight weeks later. Filing for approval at this stage is unusual, but company officials say they aim to give parents the option of starting to vaccinate kids sooner. Speaking of vaccines, CBS News reports that U.S. health regulators on Monday granted full approval to Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine, a shot that's already been given to tens of millions of Americans since its emergency authorization over a year ago. The action by the FDA means the agency has completed the same rigorous, time-consuming review of Moderna's shot as dozens of other long-established vaccines. The decision was bolstered by real-world evidence from more than 200 million doses administered in the U.S. since the FDA cleared the shot in December 2020. The FDA granted full approval of Pfizer's vaccine last August. Moving on, DHEC focused its briefing this week on its test-to-stay initiative for schools. Director of Public Health Dr. Brandon Traxler said the initiative would not require an unvaccinated student or staff member who has contact with someone with COVID-19 to quarantine at home. They could continue attending school as long as they do not have symptoms, agree to be tested, and must wear a mask for 10 days. Here's Traxler with more. Test to stay allows the rapid antigen tests or PCR tests that have a quick 24 hours or less turnaround time to be performed on um, on unvaccinated K-12 students who have been exposed to a COVID-19 infected person um, but don't have symptoms in the hope that more of them can remain in the classroom. Rather than immediately moving um, those unvaccinated close contact students to quarantine if they're exposed, uh, test to stay allows those students to stay in the classroom if they test negative um, on a test done between days five and seven Um, They wear a mask for 10 days after their exposure and are not experiencing any symptoms. Um, A second test given 24 hours before or after that that primary test is encouraged if uh, if there are enough tests available. Under test to stay, schools are um, asked to accept the rapid uh, at-home test results from parents that they report on an attestation form, and that is available on our website. In addition, schools are asked to champion COVID-19 prevention methods among their students, teachers, and staff. DHEC is acquiring more than 1.6 million tests for schools, which is enough for two tests for each K-12 student in the state. 300,000 will be delivered by the end of this week, and Traxer also gave an update on the receding surge. So when looking at our data, um, the numbers are declining in South Carolina as well, I'm very pleased to say. We peaked at 116,889 cases for the week of January 15th, and we've seen a steady decline then over the last couple of weeks since then, um, including dropping down to 63,003 the week of of the 29th. So the overwhelming majority of these cases certainly are Omicron. 
we're happy to see this dramatic drop. We, you know, discussed again the vaccination rates that we're seeing a moment ago. We would likely, if we see increased vaccinations, potentially see an increase in the speed in which our cases go down. I certainly hope that that we continue to go down and and that the vaccination rate begins to go up. Tracks are weighed in on the Pfizer EUA news we just talked about and what it would mean for controlling spread among unvaccinated children who saw record infections during the past surge. If you look at the data from the Children's Hospital Collaborative in the state, um, at the hospitalizations, you know, this is the surge where we've seen some several record number of days with hospitalizations of children. And it's not infrequent that, you know, half or so of them are are not eligible for vaccination based on age. And so um, if you vaccinate all those children, they are then therefore much, they're less likely to get infected. They're much less likely to get hospitalized. Um, And so you would see smaller numbers just in general of children who are needing hospitalization for COVID-19. Encouraging news right there. And we'll find out soon again when those younger children can start getting vaccinated. Welcome to the wind down section. It's our little break from the news. You know it well. Yes, maybe even fast forward to it because you're so excited to hear what kind of nonsense we have to talk about. And we only have that nonsense because good listeners like you call us at 803-563-7169. Operators are always standing by. It's free to call. It's free to call. It does not cost anything except your time, which we know is precious. That's why the lead exists for you. Well, I don't want to get into my old spiel, but you know what I'm talking about, folks. Give us a call. Let us know what's going on. I think, I think, I don't know, but I think we have a call, AT. Gavin, I love, I love your pitch voice that you're using. I don't want to get too excited. We, uh, I don't want, I'm pretty excited. But uh, we do have a call. We got a call. (laughs) Okay. It's true. It's true. Okay. We got a call. So uh, if you're ready, mm-hmm. you go ahead, cue me whenever you're ready. You go ahead, cue I'm it. Not gonna, I'm not going to say the word cue. I'm going to point, okay? When I point, okay, that go means ahead. point. And okay. Point. I'm po- okay. I'm, <laughs> oh, point. I'm pointing. Okay. Yes, hi. My name is Kathy Tribal. I am a relatively new listener. I wish I knew about this podcast at the beginning of COVID. Um, I love the facts that you recite. Um, I've been living in South Carolina for about 16 years. I still kind of feel like a fish out of water because I'm not a a conservative person. I love your podcast. I do not, I've never heard of putting ranch dressing on pizza. I am from Delaware. Um, I personally like pineapple on pizza um, and salt. Uh, a cousin of mine put salt on a pizza once when we were kids, and um, I don't do it all the time, but man, salt on pizza, not bad. Anyway, um, I am still pretty aggressively um, uh, wearing a mask, especially in South Carolina where there's apparently a lot of freedom at work. And uh, no one ever questions me, and I never get looks. I don't know who these people are who are denigrating people wearing a mask, but I have not had any negative experiences at all. But I don't want to kill a doctor. People don't understand about viral load. Um, I'm 66 years old. I had breast cancer in 2016, and it's been a long uh, and interesting story. I'm a retired home health physical therapist. 
but um, all, I think anyone that doesn't have a vaccine, if you get COVID, you stay home and ride it out. You have the freedom to go ahead and get COVID, but you don't have the freedom to kill a doctor or a nurse. So I don't understand why people don't, in public, don't address it that way. I guess that's too harsh. Anyway, I liked your podcast, fellas. I, um, it's a big hit with me. Um, thank you very much. I never would have called, but I've never called a radio show. But I love how you always say at the end of your podcast, you know, please give us a call. Well, here you are. Kathy Tribal has called. Have a great, let's see, it's Thursday. I can't remember the date because I'm recently retired. It doesn't matter anymore. Uh, but I will be waiting for your next podcast. Um, hope you guys are having a great week. Bye. Kathy, thanks for the praise. I'm glad you found us. Blessed. Love it. I'm also glad to hear about that pineapple pizza stance. I'm all about the pineapple pizza. Gavin is all pizza. about pineapple yes. on pizza. Yeah. But ranch on that would just... Uh, I'm, oh. We're still talking I bet there are people. I yeah, bet there are people. I, I'm okay with the ranch thing. Um, it's still it's still weird, but that's the pizza I wouldn't put ranch on. That's separate. So, But glad to hear you're still being safe, Kathy, especially with your mask in Delaware. We love Delaware. We had we had many vacations as a child Delaware, in Delaware. Yeah. Um, but Kathy <laughs> Tribal has called, folks. Love it. <laughs> that retiree Mark life, too. Down. She's like, I don't know Mark what day it, it is. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to retire because that's all. I'm about that. Like when I go and hang out with my parents, I'm like, you do lose track of time. And I'm like, I always give them a hard time. Like, what do you do all day? How do you guys not mm-hmm. get things done? Maybe more of my mother, but she said, well, you know, you just, you go out in the garden for a bit and then you just sit down on the couch. And then before you know it, it's six o'clock. Gavin, <laughs> like, yeah. he aspires to be in a stupor. Yeah. <laughs> just like, just floating through life, not knowing dates or times. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I, mean, I love that for you. It requires a certain amount of money and a certain attitude, <laughs> but yes, that is a goal. I truly love that for you. I really do. But instead, you know what? Instead, I'm choosing to be a humble public servant for these folks. Mm -hmm. A stay-at-home podcaster. (laughs) 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 Yeah, today we are doing the podcast from home. It's like old times. Mm. All 200, 200, almost 200 of them. Monday or Tuesday will be 200 episodes Whoa. of COVID episodes. Wow. Brutal. Just Brutality. COVID episodes. Wow. I thought we were going to get to like 80 maybe. And here we are. Three times as many. <laughs> anyway, Gavin, the reason we're here today is to talk about something stupid. <laughs> okay. That's the reason we're here today. <laughs> so I did wear jeans to work, right? Yes, we're going to touch on exciting. jeans today. <laughs> And so I was wearing jeans and I'm a new jeans wearer and I don't I don't often change my pants. So by the fourth or fifth day of me wearing these jeans, I, you would see me and go, oh, je- jeans again. <laughs> I think I did that on day two. I was like, okay, I know you're new to jeans, but like since we all know you're new to jeans, like we have two pairs of jeans. Like it's obvious that you're wearing the same jeans, which is fine. You know, I do that with pants all the time. I, like yeah, you're well, saying, that, you know, like that's that's the best part about being a man, I think. <laughs> I I uh I guess so because it it got me thinking about like my most bachelor man yeah, thoughts. That's one of them, yeah. and one of them was that pants just don't get dirty. <laughs> and I, I I said this to you, mm-hmm. and you wholeheartedly agreed. With yes, me, right. Yeah, I they mean, don't I get dirty. I haven't dry cleaned my suits in maybe like two years. Not that you're supposed to. It's not really good for the suit itself, but. You know, I iron them. I, you know, I, I uh, you know, you kind of. The heat kills yeah, the germs. I iron, you know, <laughs> I throw them in the dryer every now and then. I know you're not supposed to probably do that either, but I'm like, ooh, they're wrinkled. I want to iron right now. I'll throw it in the dryer. 
Just I'm a sure little bit of an insight to my madness over here. I will say, after 20 years of not wearing pants, I was very surprised. Mm. Or jeans. 20 years of not wearing jeans. <laughs> I was very surprised that it's not even made out of yeah. discernible jeans material anymore. Uh-huh. And They're stretchy. Did you know? Did you know? Uh, that that actually posed an issue for the United States Treasury because there is elastic, there's small fiber, uh, elastic fibers mm-hmm. in jeans, and they used to use old recycled denim in uh, the, the paper for for currency. But okay. since they got the elastic in there now, they can't no use good. it anymore. No good. Ooh. So you gotta you, know, you just gotta go feed it to the sea turtles or something like that with all the car batteries in the ocean. You got That's they the charge the eels. You got to put the, <laughs> the car batteries move. in the ocean to charge the eels. It's it's totally legal and fine. <laughs> but so um so yes, we also need to get a photo on social media of you wearing jeans. People have requested that they are dying to see this. I'll get I'll get a picture right after we record this and we can we can post. They it. look good. Um, yeah, I mean the, you're pulling them off. You know, it's like you've been wearing them your whole life. I, I wouldn't even know you haven't been wearing them. Your it's whole like life. riding a bike. It's like riding a bike. But are you, you know? going to get some new ones? <laughs> going to get some I more? Think, <laughs> I think my next step is yeah. to buy real jeans made out of real denim, mm-hmm. you know? Because I just, I, I, I don't quite like wearing jeggings. It feels like jeggings. And I said it yeah. to someone. I said, it feels like I'm wearing jeggings. And they go, you you are. <laughs> well, some of those ones, yeah. Those those uh, the summer ones are those straight cut ones, yeah. We'll just go to Old Navy like old times to get the carpenter jeans, baby. Bring back those 90s memories. I need, I need a spot for my hammer. That's my biggest problem with these. <laughs> Do you remember I, that? I have, nowhere, I have nowhere to put my hammer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Levi's. Go Levi's. I think they still put some in there, but it's not you know, not to the level that I'm sure Express does to their jeans. But you can also see was, the makeup of the material for your jeans that you're going to purchase too. So I, I didn't look. I didn't even look at these. My wife ordered them. Caitlin mm-hmm. ordered them. But like, it, was, it was just very jarring for me to put them on. And they just, I, I was expecting the feel of denim, yeah. and it was just not that. The so look, it was very strange. The look, very the strange. touch, the feel of cotton. The cotton, fabric the fabric of, of your life, yeah. I mean, we all know. Great marketing right there. We're still talking about that. We all know, that. yeah. Um, are you going to become, do you know, is it too soon? Are you going to become a jean snob? Do you know yet? Um, I, I, I think if you asked any of my friends, they would probably say yes, but mm-hmm. I don't think so. If there's yeah. one thing I'm not very snobby about, it's clothes. Besides your t-shirts. Um, which is not I, even I mean, a snobby I'm, thing. It's just like a, a curated. Yeah, I, I like my T-shirts, yeah. you know, like, uh, but I'm not that snobby about mm-hmm. it. But I am snobby about almost everything else in my because life. Because I was going to so. say, there are some jeans out there. Like, I know there's one jean. I think it's Billiam Jeans up in Greenville. These guys make jeans up in Greenville, but they're like 200 some dollars. They're custom. Oh they look God. good. But like, you know, all that, they're jeans for your life. $200. But it's $200. For, so I don't know if you're going to be to that point yet. I don't know. All I know is that I got a I got a new attitude on jeans AT, like (laughs) devil may care attitude, smoking inside. Yeah, you got that like lightning bolt etched into the side of your head. (laughs) Exactly right. Yeah, I got a full back piece. You um, have been smoking at work a lot. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I've never smoked cigarette before until I put these jeans on. So um, (laughs) I I don't want to condone it, but you look really cool doing it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Very James Dean. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I don't know if I have any other uh, bachelor lifestyle. I mean, obviously, my whole life is a bachelorhood. So, I mean, now um, that you fixed your now that you fixed your fridge, I mean, it's all <laughs> your, your your life is normal now. <laughs> <laughs> that was years in the making, too. It was years. It was four years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think just waking up whenever you want—that's one of the biggest luxuries that I have 
going for me in my life right now. You're doing a great job, buddy. <laughs> anyway, say say bye yeah. to these people. Let's both go back yeah. to bed. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's Friday. <laughs> We're ready to, uh, to kick off the weekend by sleeping on in. But do what Kathy did. Give us a call, 803-563-7169. We love hearing from everyone. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. That also helps so much with getting some more traction out there so people like Kathy can find us. You can also stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Well, I'm a midwife, so (laughs) she needs anything. I'm here. Yeah, it was immaculate.